The Florida Panthers return home for the first time since March 10th, and they face off against a Montreal Canadiens team, a very shorthanded uh, Montreal Canadiens team on Tuesday night at FLA Live Arena in Claude Drew's home debut in front of the fans out in Sunrise, Florida. On today's episode of Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, we're going to bring in Jacob Winans on this Winans Wednesday edition of the show to discuss more about Florida's 7-4 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into this Wednesday, March 30th edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where's your team every day? Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listener today. I'm Armando Velez from PantherParkway.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Monoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. And thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listener today. Don't forget to also follow the Lockdown NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. will be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. So, Florida Panthers fans, uh, last night the Florida Panthers returned home for the first time in 19 days. Uh, their last game was uh, March 10th, uh, and then there was a California swing, the trade deadline, Another Canadian swing uh, in there, and the Florida Panthers made their way back home and uh, picked up right where they left off uh, with how they uh, play at home. They defeat the Montreal Canadiens in their second visit to FLA Live Arena. The last time they did was on New Year's Day, as you, a lot of you probably remember, that was the uh, game where Sam Bennett uh, had a committed a hit to the head of a Canadian's uh, opponent, and then he was a had a three-game suspension shortly after that. But uh, a little bit of a different game this time around, uh, facing each other twice in the last uh, week, uh, once in Montreal, once in uh, Florida. And here to talk about this um, game uh, for the Panthers and pretty much the week that's been for the Cats uh, since uh, they returned to action after the trade deadline, it is Jacob Winans uh, of PantherParkway.com. Jacob, once again, welcome back to the show. Good morning, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming on once again, and uh, a little bit of a different recording time as uh, I was in person at FLA Live Arena uh, last night for their win against the Montreal Canadiens. So first time being in the arena since uh, November, and it kind of kind of missed it a lot, and uh, definitely uh, see games a lot differently uh, in person than uh, on the TV. So definitely want to. Um, make more uh, trips to South Florida. But let's talk about this game, man. Uh, the Florida Panthers return home. Um, give up a give up a, a quick goal um, uh, in the f- first few minutes of the game on an odd man rush going the other way. Uh, and this was a game all about runs. Um, Florida scores uh, four straight, lets Montreal back in it. Uh, the Florida Panthers um, score three straight to, to end it in seven to four. So it was really a game about once a certain team got a certain momentum swing. It was just, just uh, raining goals. It was a minute and 40 some odd seconds span that the Montreal Canadiens had in the second period. I mean, Bob, Bob, despite that, despite giving up the first goal, um, 
Montreal had 13 shots in the first period um, and 11 after that. But Sergey Borowski really early on really helped this Florida Panthers team like not go down like multiple goals in this one. So Bob was fantastic in the in the first period. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, a lot of times that first home game off of a road trip, you can get uh, it takes a little bit to get your legs under you. Um, we definitely saw that in the first period. They they got off to a little bit of a sluggish start, uh, some sloppy positioning, and and Bob kind of kept them in it, uh, which which is really what you need your goalie to do. Um, and then of course the the one chance, the one really good chance they get, it ends up in the back of the net. Not a whole lot Bob can do on that one. And and Chris Weidman, uh. Uh, former Florida Panther for what was it one game? Uh, I think he spent one game in a Panther uniform. Gets gets the goal, uh, so it's that's just how it goes sometimes. But the the bounce back in the first period with the shorthanded goal was was a huge response. Yeah, and and think about it like this: the Montreal Canadiens were missing. They had six players uh, scratching this one, including Brendan Gallagher, Tyler Pitlick, Jeff Petrie, uh, Michael Bazzetta, Jordan Harris, and um, William Legison. So the the Montreal Canadiens were coming into this game uh, with not a lot of bodies. So this was also an easy game for this to be a trap game. I, I mean, Andrew Burnett spoke about it, how um, Montreal is going to give the opposition their best. Marty St. Louis, even though they said that their team is eliminated, they're going to always go out there and give uh, the other teams a, a challenge. And Canadians are going to be a tough out. They have one more matchup against them. And you were talking about John Huberto's shorthanded goal. Claude Drew earlier in that, um, on that PK, it was on a Nolachari trip. Um, that, that's what that penalty was. And he had a shorthanded chance the other end. And, and the arena was so ready to explode. Um, had Claude Drew gotten a shorthanded opportunity just a few seconds later, um, Jonathan Huberto and Etulu Strain again. They work together on the on the on the PK and they find a way to score shorthand. And I looked it up right before we started recording. Jacob, the Florida Panthers are tied for tenth. Excuse me, they're tied for first in the NHL with ten shorthanded goals uh, on the season. I mean, just just incredible feat that the Florida Panthers um, just find a way to use their speed at the other end that even when they're down a man, if they get the puck and they're out in space and they, they can use their speed to find a way to score at the other end. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about a team that scored as many goals as the Panthers have this year, uh, they, they just find a way in all situations and penalty killing is no different. We've seen a lot of goals scored by that, that Hurdo, Lusterain and uh, penalty kill grouping. And then as well, same thing with, with Barkov and Lindell. We've seen each duo combined for a handful of shorthanded goals. And last night was a, a really, really big one at a big time in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 shorthanded goal that you're talking about, um, it was a it it was one to bring uh this game uh tied at one. Um, but also uh let's talk a little bit about Sam Bennett. Um Sam Bennett and um the 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 goal that he scored in that which was the one to bring it to three to one. Um it was off a shot by Ben Sherratt. Um, of course, the Florida Panthers bring in Ben Sherratt to more um, to become more of a presence on the defensive end, but getting the puck into the net and then uh, Sam Bennett's great positioning there gets it past Jake Allen. And then both of the assists that he had, both were primary assists, uh, just working really well around the boards and, and just looking at some of the replay again from last night before um, recording and just the the commitment to to get the puck and then um setting up both um 
said, um, look, trying to look up who he set up again. I, he set up, uh, looking, looking it up right now, but, uh, he set up, he set up two goals, uh, in, in this one. One of them, I believe was to, uh, one of them was to Jonathan Huberto and the other one was to Mason Marchment. Those were like late into the third period. So, uh, Sam Bennett, um, just the, the work that he puts around, around the boards and just, uh, three point night for, uh, Sam Bennett. And this was, this came in a game where Andrew Burnett made, had to make a lot of changes, uh, to his, um, lines at center. Uh, moving Drew down one, possibly um, moving uh, Bennett down a, a little bit. Um, Drew had to play a little bit of center. Sam Reinhart played had to play a lot of center as well. So just a lot of uh, mixing and matching. And uh, I, I thought Sam Bennett was just incredible in this one. Yeah, we've kind of been on Sam Bennett a little bit lately. He didn't have the best road trip. Um, missed a lot of opportunities, was trying to do too much. And I felt like last night he really got back to, to his his style of play. Uh, his goal came right in front of the net off a rebound. That's where you want him doing his work. Um, he was great in board battles. He kind of brings the NHL network at the beginning of the season was talking about him. And um, I remember them saying he brings a fourth line style to that second line. And winning those board battles, doing the dirty work, getting pucks to the front of the net, that's exactly what you want Sam Bennett doing. And that's going to be really, really valuable come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and of course, at, at this point, we um, I've come to realize that sometimes you're going to see a dumb penalty here and there by Sam Bennett, but then he's going to make it up by aggressive forechecking and then um, getting right in front of the net, which is like really, uh, really a great part of uh, Sam Bennett's game. So you learn to take some of the good with the bad uh, with this one. But we're going to transition over to the next segment where we're going to talk about some of the lapses that the Florida Panthers uh, had uh, when when having the Montreal Canadiens uh, tie this game at four after leading uh, by final by uh, by a score of four ones um, in last night's game. But first, we're going to tell you all about Bilt Bar. And this is the time of year where I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on their the Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-fused marshmallow. Fluffy, marshmallow, not just a protein bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. Compare that to a regular candy bar, which has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So scroll down to the macro chart and you'll be blown away with all the high protein, low calorie, high fiber, and low carb. At Bilt Bar, they're all about taste and they make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Second segment on this Winans Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Jacob Winans here from PantherParkway.com to discuss the Florida Panthers 7-4 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we we wanted to talk about that minute-ish, uh, minute 42 uh, second span. Uh, but first, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about uh, Ryan Lomberg. Um, not going to lie, Jacob. I did with my non-existent hair <laughs> when uh, Ryan Lomberg scored the second goal. I did two hair flips in my in, in my seat in per, in person uh, to represent two uh, Lomberg goals. Uh, this is not something that you're 
um, going to expect often from Ryan Lombard. Um, great steal by Joe Thornton to set up Ryan Lombard for that first one. And then um, Alexander um, playing some top six minutes for um, Ryan Lombard as well due to the Nolachari injury. Nolachari only played for uh, four minutes and 37 seconds of ice time in last night's uh, game. Um, still no update on Nolachari's injury. We'll find that out probably later today um, on the extent of the injury. But Ryan Lomberg getting his top six minutes, something we're probably not going to see um, much the rest of the season. But talk about a, a guy who's just taking the opportunity in in limited amount of ice time to contribute. And he had a three-point night um, himself as well. Yeah. Um, Goldie had a great line last night talking about Lomberg after his second goal. Uh, he said Lomberg had scored 20% of his career goals in, in last night's game. Uh, so really, really not a, a big time scorer by any means, but he's, he's like the ultimate heart and soul kind of player. He, he's going to contribute. It's not usually on the score sheet, but he always finds a way to contribute. And last night he just happened to, uh, to, to find the back of the net twice, which is one of the things you love about hockey. And, and Lomberg is the type of guy who can, he's proven he can be that hero out of nowhere. Um, thinking back to last year's playoffs, but um, definitely don't want to discredit him as as a fourth line grinder either, because both of those goals he scored were were true goal scorer goals. Um, the first one is a one timer that he shoots bar down, and then the second one he gets a wrister in the slot and just beats Jake Allen clean. Those are those are goal scorers goals. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was some impressive work from him, and it was cool to see him rewarded with some top six time. I don't think he's ever played on the line with with guys like Huberto and Barkov, so it had to be pretty cool for him. I was really pulling for him to get the Hattie on that one. Oh yeah, I was I was on I was on a hat trick watch for uh, Ryan Lomberg, and now now his eighth uh, goal of the season um, after scoring two last year. So twenty percent of his goals going in like um, in in one game, but. As, as I mentioned earlier in the segment, the, the Florida Panthers, um, they gave up three goals in a minute and 42 uh, second span. Uh, Joel Edmondson gets his first of the of the year. And in that sequence, two uh, players did not have their best showing in that minute uh, 42 second span. One of them was Radko Gudis. The other one was Jonathan Huberto. On, on the first one, um, we see Radko Gudis uh, co- committing a little bit on the, on the forecheck behind the net. Uh, Jonathan Huberto kind of squeezes in. Um, going towards the net instead of picking up his man near the near the blue line, um, so Jonathan Huberto call draws um, draws in. Joel Edmondson just gets a one timer, gets one past uh, Sergey Bobrovsky, and just wide open net for um, for for uh, for that one. The, the the second one in that span, uh, Laurent Dauphin, um, right in front of the net. Um, the Florida Panthers are having a hard time clearing the zone. Radko Gudis is like spun around, uh, unable to clear the puck, and then uh, Dolphin um, gets one right past the net. And then the the last one, um, John Huberto was stripped of the puck by David Savard, and then Rem Pitlick gets one to uh, Christian Dvorak. And just like that, uh, it was a it was a tie game. The like I said earlier, thirteen shots on goal in the first period for Montreal, eleven the rest of the way. Five of them came in the second period, and you and they got three goals on five shots in that second period. And just at that time, even though it was four four, I thought these are just met these are mental errors that are committing that are getting to these turnovers, not clearing the puck. Gouda spun around, over committing on the four check, and just little itty bitty things that 
helped Montreal get in the game and get back in the game. But of course, when they had their coaching change to bring in Marty St. Louis, there's a little bit of a different energy that's brought to um, their team to to get in the heads of their opponents and to try to play a little spoiler. So a lot of mental errors uh, from the Panthers during that stretch, but um, definitely also a product of Montreal just trying to play spoiler and just be uh, playing a, some inspired hockey these last few weeks. Yeah, uh, you can definitely you have to give credit to Montreal here a little bit just because um, you can be given opportunities, but you, it's still the hardest thing in, in the NHL is to score. So the hardest thing to do is to capitalize on them. And uh, they, they did a good job of it. Um, it. It has been a different Montreal team since St. Louis took over. Um, that's to be expected. They're more offense driven now. And, and given Marty St. Louis' playing career, you would expect that. Um, but uh, as far as the, the Panthers, it, it's a good lesson for them because if a team like Montreal, who's at the bottom of the standings, can capitalize that quickly on, on just a handful of mental mistakes, playoff teams when when the pressure is high are going to be all over you for looking for any kind of mistake like that uh, and that can end a series so the panthers have to clean that up a little bit uh, getting some of their key their key players back in the lineup will help that uh, obviously lundell is right around the corner uh, hornquist will be back sometime soon um, of course ekblad is a playoff so um, these are all those mistakes but still it, it's it is a little bit of a concerning trend. Um, Gudis is a long time. He, he's got to know not to go chasing the hit behind the net. Huberdeau's been here for forever. He's got to know not to go chasing the puck. I mean, it's just it's little things. Uh, the bad news is you don't want to see them making little mistakes like that. But the good news is these are relatively easy things to clean up. And, and mm-hmm. they know that it's not going to be a, a long-term concern. They, they're going to figure out those little those little things and iron out those small issues, especially with a bunch of new guys in the lineup right now. And that's why I'm willing to cut the Panthers a little bit, some slack too, because they're still getting a, a little bit of uh, time to get accumulated. Um, so that's, that's why it's not a product of that's not, it's a, that's why it's not a cause for concern, but I want to talk a little bit about um, Claude Drew talked a little bit about how he had a great shorthanded chance uh, early on that first PK that the Florida Panthers had, but Jameson Olive uh, brought up a stat on, on five on five of the shot discrepancy for the, for the Florida Panthers when Giroux was on the ice. I mean, really this whole game, um, the Florida Panthers were in a, as a ratio for the most part, not exactly. It was a two to one shot on goal advantage um, from, from the Florida Panthers. I mean, and I, I believe he had a tweet that said when Claude Drew was on the ice, that the shot on goal differential for the Panthers was 19 to one. And I would believe it was at five on five uh, per uh, per natural ha- stat trick. So, so this is the tweet um, 19 to one in shot attempts, shot attempts, excuse me, um, for for Claude Drew all, when he's on the ice and also um, 65% on the faceoff circle as well. Um, and of course, took 20 of them due to the Atari injury, him having to move down. So the fact that there's like multiple players that can do different things when an injury like Atari's happens. And I look at the ice time as well with how Bruno was able to distribute ice time. Nobody played over 25 minutes last night either. So I think this was 
some of Andrew Burnett's uh, best coaching that we've seen all season due to having to adjust uh, uh, and put lines in a blender. I mean, we've seen a, quite a few times this year, but I really do believe that last night was one of Andrew Burnett's uh, best um, uh, games as far as adjustments go. Yeah, uh, very similar to to what we've seen in the past with Quenville at the helm is it's just the 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 line mixing and matching when there's an injury, um, and that's going to be important to to get some experience with going into the playoffs because uh, we know the playoffs are a very physical style. Uh, you don't always come out of each game with your full lineup healthy. Uh, it's not uncommon to lose a player here and there in the playoffs, and you have to be able to adjust. Uh, it helps that the Panthers have several guys who can play wing and center. Uh, Reinhardt and Giroux are are high-end wingers, but they're also high-end centers. And they Looks like that we lost uh, Jacob on this uh, feed when it came, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to uh, his signal here, but we're going to continue uh, talking about um, the Panthers and this, um, and this uh, seven to four win. So we talk, we talk a little bit about Claude Drew, his ability to just get in the face-off circle and just uh, find a way to control possession. I mean, let's 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 remind ourselves a little bit that Claude Drew was having a career high in uh, 60, 61% of his um, his face-offs, um, just 61% of his face-offs right before uh, coming over to the Florida Panthers, a career high. His season, um, his career average in the face-off circle was uh, just uh 55% right before coming here so the fact that he's able to continue uh this 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 progress in the faceoff circle has really helped the Florida Panthers pro- possibly ele- elevate uh to another another level once again we lost uh, Jacob for a little bit but we got we got him back here uh we we got him back here on the feed uh to uh d- discuss this but we're going to transition over to the next segment where we'll talk more about uh more of the things that happen in this game, more things around the league uh, as far as scores out of town go. So we're going to talk more about that on the next segment here on Locked On Panthers. Continuing this conversation on this third segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, I'm Ramondo Velez. I got Jacob Winans, who has better signal uh, right now coming back onto the show. So uh, a little bit of technical difficulties on uh, Jacob's end, but he's he's back. So we... Uh, we we're, we're, the show goes on. So power play is a little bit of a work in progress, uh, Jacob. Um, they got two power play goals in the in the, in the the first two games. I mean, Drew had a beautiful setup to Anthony Duclair in that game against Ottawa, but really haven't um, scored since. There was a opportunities for the Florida Panthers to really, um, really take this, uh, d- really uh, take the lead and like, can, uh, and create a bigger lead earlier, really, especially when the Florida Panthers went um, four on three. Um, There's a lot of times where Montreal shot themselves in the foot with um, with their penalties. I mean, I'm looking up the PIM right now for Montreal, 10, 10 to six. Um, and for this, this, we're talking about the midway point through the third period. Dvorak gets a tripping against Huberdeau. Savard gets a hooking against Giroux right in front of the net. And... Um, Scary moment though um, happened with uh, Jake Evans. Um, another injury um, happened for Jake Evans right near the boards. Uh, for those who didn't watch the Montreal Canadiens last year in their um, second round matchup against the Winnipeg Jets, 
Jake Evans had an empty net goal. And then Mark Shifley has a brutal hit to the head uh, against Jake Evans out the rest of the playoffs. And then another injury happens um, here in Sunrise um, for for Jake Evans near the boards as well. And just after seeing that on TV and then seeing it in person, which was the end that I was sitting on, my heart really goes out to someone like Jake Evans and just concussions are just no joke and just uh you hope for the best for someone like jake evans yeah um definitely didn't want to get through the show without getting a chance to talk about the jake evans situation there um thankfully the the news from montreal after the game was that it was uh it's a day-to-day thing it was more shoulder related uh so that's definitely positive news given his concussion history but um, I know he had a really bad one in, in a prospect game a, a few years back. Uh, he had to be stretchered off against Ottawa. Uh, he, he had another one in the bubble against Pittsburgh. I believe he got boarded in that game. And then, and then again, um, like you said, in, in the Winnipeg series with Mark Shifley. So he's had some really tough injury luck. Um, and such a young player, you don't want to see that, especially with head injuries. They, they pile up quickly. So um, the Definitely good news that it wasn't head related for him last night, but um, yeah, it's it's tough to see. And anytime it's Jake Evans uh, getting hurt out there, you, you kind of feel for him because he's had some horrible injury luck to start his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and ho- and another player that I think of that has a uh, has had quite a bit of uh, injury luck as well. I think of someone like Bowen Byram of the Colorado Avalanche, who I hope that he he finds uh, consistent playing time. Um, at the NHL level, even though Colorado is doing really well without him, um, still certain players when overcoming certain injuries and just um, having to to fight their body in order to play a sport, it's just you you try to cheer for for people like that to try to um, make the most out of their opportunity. But Jacob, this uh this uh there's a, quite a few milestones um, for the Panthers um, in this game. Jonathan Huberdeau on the empty net goal to Alexander Barkov uh, got his 400th assist, uh, a three-point night for Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, of course, some of the some of the anti-Huberdeau heart people are gonna probably gonna point towards that minute-ish span um, that the Panthers gave up three goals, uh, like why he shouldn't win a heart. But 400 assists continue to climb the most points in Florida Panthers history um, with that with that. Average, um, so I think now he, I believe now he's tied for most assists by a left winger, or he's one off, um, one of the two, but still, um, one of the best seasons a left winger has ever had in NHL history. And also, the Florida Panthers, with 16 games left, have had the most goals in their franchise's history. And I calculated the pace that the Florida Panthers are on as far as goals, they're on pace to score 329 goals, which would be just about about 55 goals more than their previous franchise record when people talk about that this is a, the best Florida Panthers team really on paper it's it's not just talk anymore Jacob it's just it's starting to show on the ice like talent wise and and the the average goals per game of like four uh, last night was another example of continuing that average of getting the puck behind the net and it's the 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 pace is going the pace as of right now is going to is looking to result in 55 more than the next um highest 
Yeah, it seems like a nightly occurrence, especially at home where they, they cross the five goal mark. Um, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. You don't see this happen um, really anywhere in the league. Um, the fact that they broke the franchise record in goals with 16 games left, and, and keep in mind Barkov missed almost 20 games already this season with, with his uh, knee injury suffered against the Islanders. So you do that without your best player and, and somehow keep the pace and, and end up where they are right now. It's really crazy. They, the amount of scoring production they have from top to bottom uh, it really goes to show in a game like last night's where you get a three point night and two goals from, from a guy like Ryan Lombard. Um, they, they really have the, the talent everywhere throughout the lineup and the, the goals just, they're, they're just pouring in at this point. So um, yeah, that's, that's crazy to see. And Huberto is whether people want to give him credit as a heart trophy candidate or not, he's a pretty much the driving force for this offense. Um, 70 assists is, yeah, it's tied for the record. Most ever in a season by a left wing. We expect that he'll probably break that. Uh, he set a new a new personal record in points. And if, if he stays healthy, there's no reason he won't top 100 on the season. It's It's been, the offense has just been effortless all year. And adding a guy like Giroux only, only makes that even more potent come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Um... You mentioned Alexander Barkov missing some time, and he still leads the the team in goals. He's one off uh, of thirty, so that uh, I don't know if he's going to score forty. Um, had he not missed time, he would have had the the pace to go at forty. But still, a a pace for uh, for over uh, forty goals uh, on the on the season, and still leading the way. Uh, six six plus uh, 20, 20 goal scores, which is really going to help. Um, as far as balance um, when it comes to the lineup, uh, when it comes to the Panthers. So just, just a lot of things to like about uh, the season that, that it has been for the Panthers. They sit, they sit at 96 points uh, right now, still the top of the Atlantic division. Uh, That 96 points uh, sounds very familiar from just a few years ago when they finished with 96 points. I believe it was the highest that a team has ever finished without making the postseason. So that that kind of that kind of brought me back a few uh, memories of the Bugner years uh, just a few years ago. But hey, they're not going to finish with 96 points this time around. There's 16 games left uh, for for the the Panthers, um, so in, including uh, one home game before they take a quick uh, trip uh, up to Buffalo and Pittsburgh. But a few, uh, let's go around quickly around uh, the Atlantic Division. I wasn't checking scores in the middle of the game. Thank goodness uh, you guys were updating the chat on what was going on. Uh, Usually try not to um, be too much on the phone and checking scores while in person. But Mont- um, excuse me, Toronto defeats the Boston Bruins uh, six to four. Appar- apparently, uh, the the um, Bruins were making an attempt at a comeback but fell short. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning they defeat the Carolina Hurricanes in overtime four to three. So that um, even though Tampa winning uh, doesn't increase their lead in the Atlantic, Carolina losing does increase their gap when it comes to claiming home ice throughout the whole eastern conference um so still driver's seat for the for the for the panthers as they try to uh to get the best record i mean they they swept uh they swept the carolina hurricanes and this is the time of year where where we have to look at this little category in the standings called row Uh, for those listening uh regulation overtime wins as far as one of the main tiebreakers in as far as um, 
as far as tiebreakers. So if you get, uh, for those listening who, if you get a shootout win, um, if you get a shootout win, that does not count towards your row. Um, so right now, Carolina actually has one more regulation overtime win over the Panthers, um, but still same amount of points with a game in hand. So really the, the these next uh, 16 games are going to be a grind for the Panthers as they try to, uh, to claim that number one spot in the East. So your thoughts, sir. Yeah, so you, you really touched on it with the hurricane situation. Uh, finishing with the number one seed in the East is going to be crucial this year, given that um, Washington, while they are a very good team and a guy like Ovechkin is extremely dangerous, um, I don't necessarily want to see Tom Wilson for a whole playoff series either, but um, that's that's a team that is not quite on the same level as a Boston, Toronto, Tampa uh any one of those three could finish in a wild card spot. So if you don't get that number one seed, you are likely to face one of those three. Um, mm. I, I personally don't want to see Tampa in the first round again. Uh, Boston Boston is always going to be a tough out, and Toronto can score. So uh, those finishing with the number one seed is going to be important. Um, yeah, the the two games that I that I really took note of last night were Carolina Tampa. Um, Tampa scores an OT goal off of a terrible terrible call. Um, they called Jordan Stahl for holding. It was, it was a ghost holding call and, and Tampa scores off of it. Um, works work to our benefit a little bit. Um, mm. And then the Boston Toronto game was interesting because um, Toronto did get the win, but they lost some bodies and some key ones. Uh, Mrazek left with a groin injury and did not return. Um, Justin Hall took a puck off the face and did not return. And then Ilya Labushkin was sucker punched by Taylor Hall. Uh, also did not return, and Taylor Hall is probably looking at a suspension today. So uh, that game was really, really interesting. A um, whole lot happening that really, I mean, you don't you don't want to see anything like that, but it's, it's going to have implications for the rest of the division. So that was an interesting one to keep an eye on last night. Mm-hmm. And this, we're, and of course, at the, at the top of the episode, I mentioned the day, the day, March 30th. So now we're just under a month away from, uh, the end of the regular season, March 15th, all, um, excuse me, March 20, um, April 29th, excuse me, all 30, 30, um, excuse me, there'll be 15 games played. So two game, two, um, two teams will be idle. Um, so 30 teams will be in action on the fit on the, on the 29th of April to determine uh final positioning. A lot of the Atlantic division will be just facing off against each other. It's not just Florida finishing with six straight games against the Atlantic. Everybody will be going against each other. Boston will be seeing Toronto. Um Boston and Toronto will probably be seeing each other one more time. Tampa and Tampa and Boston are are going to be uh seeing each other as well. So, it's going to be uh and and also with teams beating up on each other, it it also helps with this uh cushion that the Florida Panthers have um to try to uh to try to increase their lead. And um, when, when the Florida Panthers are seeing two other teams facing off against each other, they know that someone has to lose. So someone's going to lose some points. So from the Florida right. Panthers side of things, it's just like, okay, these teams are going to beat up on each other, win your game and everything will fall in place. So that's really the luxury of this uh, six game cushion, excuse me, not six game, six point cushion that the Florida Panthers have. So it's just, uh, and the the next few days it's going to be non-division games so right. this is really their uh chance to really um increase that lead and right now the looks like i'm not 
I don't know how to. I'm not sure what the magic number is on the top of my head. Uh, the the Columbus Blue Jackets have 69 points uh, in 67 games. Um, so I'm not going to calculate that in my head, but I know the magic number is less than 10 for the Florida Panthers to clinch a playoff spot. Um, so they're one step closer to, to doing that. So really um, just keep doing what you're doing. And, um, and the, this Florida Panthers team will find their way um, towards the top. But of course, with a little bit of scoreboard watching the Atlantic and of course, uh, Carolina. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's that time of year. It's nice to not be having, not have to be battling for a playoff spot like we've seen the Panthers do in the past some years. Um, definitely that that ninety six point season brings back some some tough memories. That was a rough one. Um, but but yeah, that it's no longer an issue about whether or not they'll make it. It's just where they're going to end up when they do. So uh, yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. But but more importantly than than scoreboard watching or. or deciding who our opponent's going to be it's it's making sure these guys stay healthy and making sure they they get a good rhythm heading into the playoffs because it's all about momentum once you get to that part of the season you they just have to be playing the right way Mm, absolutely and um and and the florida panthers just need of course in these next 16 games they just need to remember to play to who they are and that's really what's gonna get them to um to uh what the, goal, the place that they want to be as far as uh, the number one uh, seed in the in the Eastern Conference. But Jacob, I want to thank you for joining me on this uh, Wine and Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Uh, tell everyone where they can follow you. Yeah, just uh, give me a follow on Jacob on Twitter at Jacob Wine and Eight. I'm super active there, and you can find some of my work on PantherParkway.com. Awesome! Thank you so much once again, man. And if you like what you're hearing. Please subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also subscribe to Lockdown NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark will be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen today. And for your second listen today, make sure you listen to today's episode of Lockdown Fantasy Hockey. Host Flip Livingstone and Steel Roden help you become the expert of your fantasy team. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast on the Odyssey app or ever you get podcasts. So I'm Armando Velez with Jacob Winans. And you've been listening to the Locked On Florida Panthers Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What's your team? Every day. <laughs>